0: We continue in our walk through the Gospel of Mark and we've been talking about the road that Jesus has been traveling on and the road now has stopped. Jesus has reached the conclusion of his journey on earth and we find ourselves at the cross. Tonight I'm going to just ask you to remain seated as we read from Mark 15 and we read 33 and following. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, My God, why have you forsaken Me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. The reading of God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we give you thanks for your Word. And we give you thanks for what you have accomplished for us. Tonight, I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to this place tonight. That the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and our lives. That we would face the reality of what this night is and what it has done. And so, Lord, guide my words. Mold and shape lives by your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today is a hard day. Today is a day in which we remember and acknowledge death. It's hard to contemplate death, isn't it? We don't like it. We don't like to face death. We live in a world that does everything imaginable to eliminate death and relinquish any kind of agony or pain. When we're hungry, we go to the store or we go to the pantry to pull out some food. If we're cold, we go over to the wall and we turn a dial or we press a button to make the house warmer. When we're bored, we turn on the television or the computer and at our fingertips we now have all that we could ever desire or want. We have been conditioned to eliminate agony, to eliminate pain, to eliminate uncomfortability. Our world has said it's bad to be uncomfortable. It's bad to be in an uncomfortable place physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I understand on some level why it is that we do that. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be in pain or agony. However, we find ourselves here on this hard night. We often, as Christians, want to steer away from this time, this night, and we want to immediately look forward to Easter Sunday when there are bright lights and wonderful faces and smiling cheer and everything is happy and and wonderful and glorious. And I understand why we want to do that too. But we're here tonight, on this night. And here tonight, on this night, we find ourselves at the foot of a cross. I didn't read the preceding passage in Mark chapter 15, but if I had, the scene that we find in, that, in those verses is not a pleasant one. I'm not here to tell you I don't think anything that you don't already know. However, the cross is a heinous place. The cross is a grotesque place. Every element of the crucifixion was designed for the utmost of agony, for the utmost of pain, for the utmost of terror and torture, and yes, uncomfortability. The cross is a place where blood and tears flow mingled down. It's a place where people wag their heads and their tongues in shaking tribute to the King of the Jews. The cross is a place where these people mocked Jesus and ridiculed Jesus as He hung there hanging from a tree. The cross is a place of abandonment and terror. The cross is a place where the weight of the world's sin was upon the shoulders of one man suspended by four nails that pierced skin and bone. The cross is not a comfortable place. And so tonight is not a comfortable place but we do not have the luxury as christians to avoid this place to avoid the foot of the cross we must linger here why it would be a profound error and dishonor to our lord to treat every day like easter sunday it would be a dishonor to to, to treat every day like Easter Sunday, because then we wouldn't really understand Easter if we didn't understand today. If we don't understand the horror of Good Friday. If we do not truly know grace, if we do not truly know wrath, we would do our Lord a dishonor if we attempt to not dwell for at least some time at the foot of the cross. We would do our Lord much dishonor if we tried to sugarcoat the cross as if it really wasn't that bad. We would do our Lord a disservice if we tried to make it nicer than what it really is to downplay the violence, to downplay the gore, to downplay the tragedy, to downplay the scandal. We would dishonor our Lord because He suffered those very things. He experienced it and He went through the tragedy and the scandal. Why? For our behalf. Because He first loved us. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the the eve of His crucifixion, Jesus prayed in the garden. And remember what happened, as we know from other accounts and other Gospels, as Jesus prayed and He contemplated the weight of what was about to take place to Him, His sweat became like blood because he understood what was ahead of him. And as he prayed, do you remember this story? He returned to his friends, his disciples, to see if they were aligned with him, to see if they were awake for just a little while, to see if they were praying with him. And he, he comes back to where they were and he finds them asleep. And he pleads with them, can you not stay awake for one hour? For the hour of my betrayal is at hand. Do you remember this story? And so it seems to me that the same question applies to us tonight. Can we linger for one hour at the foot of the cross? Can we linger just for a little while in the uncomfortability, in the heartache? So let us now tonight contemplate the events that transpire. Let us linger at the cross And yes, see the crown of thorns. See the blood. See the horror. See the beatings. See that he was despised and he was rejected. See that he was beaten and bruised. See that he was pierced and crushed. See that he was afflicted and stricken and he was the chastisement. Can we linger there for a moment? And so as we gaze upon this scene, this horrid scene, may we also understand the reason behind why Jesus is suspended by four nails on a tree. May we see truly grace. In First Peter 2.21, where we're given the reason why, it says these words, "...He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree." that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. He hung on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. It's by this kind of death, this tragic death, this violent death that we amazingly and miraculously are healed. But then I wonder what does healing look like? We've heard that verse in 1 Peter quite often and I wonder how many times we just think, well, that's just good church talk or another pastor telling us words that we just skim over and we don't really settle into very well. That we're healed by the wounds of Jesus. What does it mean? What does that mean for us tonight? What does the cross mean for us tonight? In Mark's brief account of Jesus' death, Mark is clear on one point throughout these few verses that we just read, he lands in a certain section, and a certain theme, if you will, of what Jesus' death means for us. And it's that I want to answer for us this evening. Mark provides the details of some of these things that Jesus says. He doesn't give us the, the lengthy things that Jesus says as some of the other Gospel writers do, but he gives us a little bit. The one thing that Mark tells us that Jesus said... He didn't sit, Mark doesn't include it as finished or any of these other things. He, Mark, quotes Jesus saying, Ali, Ali, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. In both Psalm 22 and here in Mark, and then the story of the tearing of the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the temple, both accounts are really speaking to one thing abandonment, and relationship. In a heart-wrenching, loud voice, Jesus quotes Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, in this moment, has experienced for the very first time an eternity, complete and utter isolation. There was no one For him. He was alone. And then the words of that song that we sing so often How great the pains of searing loss, the Father turns his face away. From the beginning of time, this was the Lord's intention to turn his face away from the begotten Son in order that he would turn his face towards many. And so I wonder tonight, in our world of busyness, in our world of activities, in our world where people are always all around us, I wonder, however, how often do we really feel all alone? Or how often do we feel hopeless? Too many times we know the frailty of our existence, don't we? We know the limp fortitudes of our, the limp fibers of our fortitude. We know the porous caverns of our hearts where emotions filter through, and they oftentimes go unchecked and unfiltered, and even unsatisfied. We wonder as we wander through the emptiness of it all, and here we are tonight. Gazing at a bloody cross. Does our gaze stop long enough to see the emotions, to see the pain of the face of your Savior as he hangs dying? Do we hear the agony in his voice? Do we hear the desperation? Mark tells us he cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lamasabactini. Do we hear the agony? So it is there where we linger as those words echo in the scene of the cross. It's there where we understand the Lord's grace. It's there as those words ring in the hills where we understand true grace. For it's there where we begin to see and begin to understand that there is nowhere that the Lord won't go for you. He will go to the very lengths and the heights and the depths of even putting His own Son that He's known from eternity up onto a tree where He bleeds and dies and is pierced. For you, He will go that far for you this is what the cross does there is nowhere he won't go for his own there is no place terrifying enough that he won't go to call you his own there is no place full of pain that he won't go to bring you close to himself there is no place there is no point that he won't go to there is no weight great enough for Him not to carry for you. This is what happens when we gaze at the cross. So as we stare at the cross, may we see our Savior experiencing not only His hurts, not only His pains, not only His agony, but it tells us in the Scriptures that He carried this for our sakes. So as He hangs, He carries your hurts, your pains, your agony, your fear, your abandonment, your loneliness. For you. Jesus laid down his life for you. Why? In order that the curtain would be torn from top to bottom. The curtain would have been nearly 30 feet tall. That's three basketball goals on top of one another. That's a really tall curtain. There's some conversation about the thickness of it. Some say it's about a quarter of an inch. Some say it's much larger than that. There's all kinds. No one really knows for sure. But it's really tall and it's really thick. And Mark gives us this detail that it was torn from top to bottom. Now, if you know anything about the Holy of Holies, not anybody could just walk up to the Holy of Holies and enter in. There was only a time when the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. So it's not as if someone could walk up to the Holy of Holies and even from the bottom begin to tear this curtain. They couldn't steal it. Let alone to climb a really 30 foot tall ladder, a really tall ladder and begin to tear it from the top. It just wouldn't have happened. So Mark gives us this detail that it was torn from top to bottom saying what? That this was the Lord who did that. Something outside of human possibility tore this curtain. But why then was the curtain torn? If Jesus was abandoned on the cross and in that moment that the curtain is torn, why? The Holy of Holies was where the presence of God was, according to Levitical law. But here, now, in this moment of Jesus' death, that curtain is torn in two and the presence of God is now open to all. So in Jesus' abandonment, He now says all are welcome and all come into the presence of God. There is no longer a divider between the Lord and you and me. So as we stare at the cross, we don't simply see somebody. We see our mediator. We see the one that stands in between us and the Father and He paves the way that we might be able to bridge that gap. that bridge To bridge the gap of sin and pain and hurt and agony and loneliness, here Jesus takes this cross and He paves that way to us into the Holy of Holies. Paul in his letter to the Romans says this, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all, believe, all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And this surely then is good news, isn't it? And that then makes this a Good Friday. We now have access to the Lord Himself. What does that mean for us today? The cross means that no matter where we have been in the past, God can and will forgive because of what Jesus has done. There is no sin too big for God to deal with. Because he put his begotten Son on the cross. God accepts us because of this cross. God embraces us, calls us his own because of this cross. God comforts because he put the chastisement of us all on the cross. So as we look at the cross today, we need to know that God is with us and we are not alone. And He doesn't judge us because that judgment is hanging on a tree, dying, bleeding. So then this is truly grace. That this man dies in my place. We deserve this scene. The four nails are meant for my hands and my feet. Yet, Jesus hangs there. Bleeding. Crying. Abandoned. Dead. Tonight, we face the cross and we see the the dying breasts of our Savior So I wonder if tonight we can say along with the centurion. Truly, this man was the son of God. And by his wounds, you were healed. Amen. Let's pray. What wondrous love is this. What wondrous love is this that bore my sins on this cross. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for who you are and for what you have done for us. And so Lord, as we walk through this service tonight, may you shape our lives. Not just our emotions, not just our feelings, but our very lives to understand the heights and the depths and the lengths that you have gone to call us your own. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.